Welcome to A Counselor's Journey to Private Practice. I'm your host, Juan, and this podcast teaches mental health professionals to cultivate curiosity and build ambition in their journey to starting, growing, and scaling a private practice. Let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, welcome to A Counselor's Journey to Private Practice. I am here with Danielle Taylor. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist out of DC. How are you today? Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, before the episode kicked off, I was telling her that I kept wanting to throw an A at the end. <laughs> that, that Spanish part in me, it's hard to quiet it down at times. Yeah. Um, so Danielle, tell um, everyone listening out there, counselors in their journey of private practice, a little bit about you know where you're at, um, the mm-hmm. work that you do. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. So I've been in private practice since 2015. Um, I started off just licensed in DC and then I grew it to Virginia, Maryland, um, and then also Pennsylvania where my home is from. Um, so yeah, I started out in DC working for some group practices and community mental health and, um, then was in a group practice and decided to go, um, into private practice and then moved around a couple of places, California, back to Pennsylvania. So I was able to keep all my clients because I was licensed where the clients were in DC. Um, Yeah. And so now back in Pennsylvania and I'm thinking as my practice is growing, thinking of now hiring um, an employee, getting closer to that. It's a long process. And then maybe expanding the practice into Pennsylvania too, to, um, to get some clients there. But for right now, it's just doing really well in DC and the surrounding area. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me yeah. kind of dig into there. Yeah. The business brain of mine is like ringing like spider senses. Yeah. Um, so whenever you were traveling to like California and that area, mm-hmm. did did you purposefully come up with that idea of let me let me get licensed in all of these different areas so that I can just branch to virtual health and continue to run my business? Mm-hmm. Well, I was I was licensed in DC, Maryland, Virginia when I moved uh, to California, so I couldn't see people in California because you have to be licensed there. Um, so I just kept it because it was going so well. I never thought to. I, I started getting taking some of the CEUs in California, but there's so many hoops to jump through there, different mm-hmm. tests and just a lot. So um, no, I just kept it all in where the clients physically are. Okay. And then we just travel back to see them in person every now and then. Okay. And I know right now we're going through COVID, but typically yeah. do you do more face-to-face or virtual? Yeah, I do face-to-face usually once every three-ish months. Um, okay. So I'll just take, I live in Pennsylvania now, so I, I'll just take the train over into DC. Okay. And then the rest of the time um, you, you're doing virtual sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same for prior to COVID? Yeah. Okay. Which which is why it wasn't too much of a transition for me. Yeah, I've been doing this. Yeah. So that that one time, I guess you would go or so a few times. Was that specific to certain patients, or you know what was going on there for why you went to the office? Just to keep it going, I want to at least meet people once. Um, I encourage them every time I go, but I go for a whole week, so I see every single client that I can. Okay. In that week, yeah. Okay, I love that. Yeah. Um, did you face any challenges, um, you know, from the aspect of, you know, onboarding a client when it came to um, virtual sessions before COVID? I think with COVID now is a little more pressure of it is what it is. Yeah. What about before then? Um, yeah. So I use um, like a practice management system, which makes it a lot easier. Like I'll just kind of 
um, send them the intake paperwork that way. But it wasn't really much of a difference. Sometimes I would meet someone for the first time in person, but mainly I meet them online. And yeah, I mean, they feel like it's a little strange the first time, but then after that, okay, just get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So I know the work that you do, it's connected to integrating um, integrating family work, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so does that mean that you work with family systems? I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um, love working now, with the system. Okay, so what does that look like in a telehealth session? You know, How many mm-hmm. people are in that? Um, I've had as many as, say, about five. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I typically they'll just sit on the couch and put the computer on the coffee table and sit back or sit at a table and um, put the, the computer at a table and they'll just sit back a little bit so I can see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I make sure they're all in the same room. A lot of people, uh, a lot of clients want to be in a different location than their yeah. spouse or their family members. And, but then it gets tricky with licensure because you have to be licensed every specific place each person is. So it's, and also the goal is to get them to look at each other's body language and eye contact. And so in the same room is the goal. And, um, yeah, it's usually, I mean, not, it's not common that too many families want to do, um, therapy in general, but telehealth. So I have, um, mostly individuals and they well, individuals and couples, it's like a 50, 50 split and then some families, um, but the individuals, I use like a, a systems perspective and bring okay. in their boyfriend or their friend or their parent every now and then. Okay. The yeah. Mm-hmm. How does that, um, your EHR system, which one do you use? I use simple practice. Okay. I like them too. Yeah. Um, and then from there, do you kind of have them share the link or um, I guess all, all on the same link and then just push back a little bit so you can see everybody in the video? Yeah. Yeah. It's just one person does the link and then one video and then, yeah, we're all there. Okay. And then from the family perspective, I'm kind of thinking of a whole family system being there. Yeah. Have you noticed, um, well, what avenues are you using to market, you know, Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, it's absolutely effective, you know, Mm -hmm. to hop on a video, all five of you on the couch Mm -hmm. and we're going to get through this. Yeah. Um, you mean like, where do I advertise? Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, my practice has been going so well just based off of psychology today and my website and word of mouth, because I've been in, I think the area for so long, I I have like a referral base there. Um, but between that and insurance, I haven't really, I mean, some of the schools I, because I, there's a lot in the DC area, GW, uh, Georgetown, there's all these um, colleges and grad schools there that, and, you know, John Hopkins and just everything. So yeah. university of Maryland. So I, um, contact the counseling centers at the schools and just get on their referral list. Um, and so they, they typically give my email. Nice. Go you. I like that productivity. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. Always trying. <laughs> what, what does that look like? So if I were, you know, John Hopkins uh, school system and you're reaching out. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you do that? You know? Yeah. Um, it's really just calling the counseling center there because they all have an on-campus counseling and just because oftentimes people will want to be seen through their insurance or mm-hmm. not through the counseling system, or maybe there's no, not an opening or maybe just something that can't be seen there. Um, especially during COVID. Um, so a lot of people are using that resource. 
And then they have their own online directory typically through the school. And so you just get onto their not within the school district direct. I don't know what it exactly looks yeah. like, but I just tell them, you know, I'm in network with their insurance. And if anybody needs me. Okay. So you do code calling. Do you do like an email send templates as well? No, just, I do old school nice calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like that. I think, you know, as technology moves forward, there's like all these new savvy ways, like a one page website mm-hmm. um, or lead pages, which is awesome. I mean, all those are fancy, Yeah. but fundamentals work. Like yeah. calling someone and saying, Hey, let's break bread. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. And I, I do um, consulting work with other therapists. So I help them to market too. And I always encourage people like, you know, going to the, the doctor's offices in the area or wherever you like the population just physically or giving them a call and just doing that as opposed to just, yeah, doing something that's more generic. Yeah. What have you seen? You mentioned you do consulting um, as far as COVID impacting some of the clinicians out there. Um, it's mainly people wanting to set up their practice, um, like telehealth practice or physical practice. And um, so I usually have uh, one person at a time that I really just devote to helping them. And then um, while well, I also do therapy. Okay. So like clinicians are coming in to set up a telehealth practice. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the metrics that you share with them as far as setting them up? I don't want you to give away any of your secrets. Um, <laughs> no, just kind of okay. curious as far as like big picture. Yeah. Well, a practice management system, getting them a website, um, advertising, um, getting on directories, uh, networking, um, setting up an address, a virtual address, a phone number, um, uh, video, and then paperwork and just, everything you could need in a practice, just making, making sure it's all good to go for virtual. Yeah. I like that. So kind of go through the checklist and make sure they're all checking the right boxes. Yeah. And it's kind of a, a step-by-step. I do like a couple sessions and step, you know, one through 10 and just this is first then second, you know, getting your business credit card, getting all these, yeah, all these steps. Nice. Yeah. I like Enjoy. that. I like how it's very clear and concise. Yeah. Yeah, it's customized to whatever they need of just each week, just um, helping them however I can. That's good. At the end, we'll have to share that information. I'm sure a lot of clinicians out there are like, I need that checklist. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, when I but started, it's, I didn't it's so have different. it. so <laughs> different. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're able to go just steps forward and yeah. no steps back. Exactly. Um, what have you noticed um, as far as like clinicians that you consult and their mm-hmm. mental health with COVID? Um, I haven't seen as much there, but I'm also part of, um, I do a case consult group, um, with other therapists, um, that are across different states and we do it virtually. Um, and then also just talking to therapist friends as well. Like it's just trying to keep the support going because it's interesting. Like as we're helping people through it, we're also going through it. Yeah. And it's really rare. I'm sure, you know, as a therapist that like they tell you in your training, like you might get one or two every now and then that might have a similar story to you and you know what you can take and what you can't take. But this is like every single person is going through yes. exactly what you're going through. And so it's having to separate that yeah. too. Hey, yeah, you're absolutely right. As, as, as I'm hearing it, I was like, crap, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, but, but it makes sense. You know, it's, 
it's wow. It's one of the first times I guess in my life where everyone around me is going through just, you know, just about the same thing I'm going through. Yeah. And it's weird. I'm sure you've gotten it where clients will ask how we're doing or. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then it's hard to, because typically if they're going through something like depression or anxiety, yeah, maybe we've gone through something similar, but that it's, it's, we're able to provide coping skills and advice and things, but this it's like everyone's shooting from the hip of like, just encouraging them to do what's safe in their eyes yeah. and what risk they're worth taking, they feel is worth taking because there's no right or wrong. And yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it, that question of, you know, when clients ask us how we're doing, mm-hmm. I get that one a lot and it, it makes me smile because it's a, it's a beautiful realization of what an amazing job, you know, mm-hmm. we're able to have, Yeah, but, you know, we care about others, but they, they care about us too. And we get oh, to yeah. go to work, you know, in that setting each day. Yeah. Yeah. It's really rewarding, especially, you know, once this is all over to look back and be able to say we helped people through it. Yeah. I think it's really nice. Let's kind of go back a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to tie in your work uh, with Mm -hmm. family systems and kind of give you an opportunity to open that up. Um, What what does that look like as a typical case um, Mm -hmm. through telehealth? I'm I'm interested in this, you know, doing it through telehealth. Yeah. You mean working with individual systemically or the families the family systemically yeah i'm sorry yeah yeah no that's okay um because even if i work with individuals i'll bring their family members in so we do family work um but it's just the same as in person really it's just talking to them about their communication and giving them dialogues and homeworks that they could do between the sessions and just helping them to set boundaries with each other and um have you know appropriate systems and whether it's the siblings or the parents and then breaking that that apart too and encouraging them to not either be home or it's hard during covid but maybe be in another room with the music on or something so that each you know subset can feel free to talk like the parents and then you're also modeling the boundaries of like what is appropriate to talk up to talk about with the parents that the kids don't have to listen to and then vice yeah. versa, let the kids complain about the parents. And Okay. Have, have you found that, um, I guess, what type of effectiveness have you found with confidentiality within family systems? So mm-hmm. if you're working with like me and my wife and our two kids, and then mm-hmm. you're like, hey, Juan, I just want to see the kids for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how does that play out? Yeah. I usually, unless something is um, a concern, like if, especially with minors, that it would be, mm-hmm. um, I would only divulge information if they're a danger to themselves or others. Um, but I encourage, because it also builds a relationship with the kids too. Mm-hmm. Like I see um, children and then I see them individually, but I bring their parents in. I keep them a part of the, the therapy process maybe once a month. Um, and I tell the, the kids that, you know, I'm doing it so that they're aware and I ask their permission and then also um, keeping everything confidential. But I mean, it does get tricky if there's secrets, but then I, I use the secrets of, you know, it's not productive for me to hold the secret, but I can encourage you and train you to be able to tell your family members you yeah. were telling me. I like that. And do you find that members are um, re- respectful? I guess just like they would be in a counseling office you know, Hey, mm-hmm. we're going to sit here together. Do you guys mind going to some other rooms in the home? Yeah, that is the tricky part with telehealth. You never know if you're going to run into that. I haven't yet, but I'm just waiting for it that someone is going to hear 
what the other person is saying. And then mm-hmm. that's going to cause a fight or a problem. But I encourage them to just try to not yeah. you know, make sure they can't hear what the other person's saying, just so you, they can feel free to talk and be open, even not that they're divulging anything, but just to feel like I can get their perspective without somebody listening. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, whenever I do like my family sessions, I was just more parties. I try to relate it to what it was like face to face. So I would say something as far yeah. as, you know, whenever we were face to face, I would have the TV out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you hear music from it. The door mm-hmm. was closed. Those mm-hmm. were like our boundaries, if you will, you know, yeah. you know, us here and then you there, mm-hmm. what can we do within the home? Yeah. Um, so then that kind of rang a little light bulb as far as well, we'll go to a different room. Yeah. So that, you know, no one's coming in or patients going, you know, Shh, don't say anything. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know, they could be standing right behind the camera. We have no idea. Exactly. Yeah. We just have to trust. And, and it's also interesting doing the family work if like in the moment of an argument or in, in encouraging one of them to take a walk mm-hmm. or do a coping skill or do some deep breathing where you can kind of just be with the one and they can take the yeah. camera or the phone, you know, outside and you can sit with them for a minute and and be able to talk to the other one without them being next to each other. And yeah, mm-hmm. it seems to have, you know, continued to be helpful providing this avenue of support to individuals, you know, a nice, not just outlet, but mm-hmm. continued care, continued therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, even if working with an individual, bringing in their family member to work on whatever they're talking to me about, it's like, okay, let's bring that person in and I'm going to help you practice talking to them about it. And then we practice yeah. the healthy dialogue, like, using Imago or things like that. Yeah. Great way to uh, close up some generational patterns there. Yeah. By taking that systemic approach. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as we're getting close to closing uh-huh. or as we're at closing, um, I want to, I want to <laughs> give you, it did go fast. Um, <laughs> I want to give you some space to share the work that you do as a clinician, as well as your consulting work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really neat that you have maybe that niche and understanding, understanding telehealth before mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us clinicians, we just, you know, we went as the ball was rolling yeah. um, and just had to figure it out. But it's nice that, you know, you kind of have the groundwork there. So mm-hmm. how can anyone out there, you know, connect with you, mm-hmm. ask you questions? Yeah. Um, email or um, my website has a little contact form uh, that comes to my email but it's just um, mymfts.com. Okay. And it stands for Marriage and Family Therapy Service, MFTS. Um, but yeah, they can just send me a, an email through there. My email is um, dbtaylor at mymfts.com. Okay, that works. Yeah. And I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes. So everyone mm-hmm. listening, you're able to just read it, click it, and then be able to connect with uh, Danielle right away. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to help. Well, awesome. Thank you for being here. Have a beautiful day. All right. Thanks. You too. In your journey of private practice, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please leave an awesome review and share this podcast with any counselor you think is working towards starting, growing, and scaling a counseling practice. Let's grow together in our journey. I'll see you in the next episode.